You are listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. The Archaeology Podcast Network is sponsored by Codify, a California benefit corporation. Visit Codify at www.codifi.com. This episode is sponsored by Nomad. Own less, live more. Check them out at hellonomad.com. Hello and welcome to the CRM Archaeology Podcast, episode 103, for February 1st, 2017. I'm your host, Chris Webster. On today's show, we talk about burning bridges and professionalism in archaeology. All right, welcome to the show, everyone. We've got a full house today. For the first time in a long time, we've got everybody on. So, joining me today are Doug in Scotland. Hey. Steven in Calgary. Hello. Chris in, I've got Pennsylvania and Kentucky, but I'm pretty sure it's Portland. Yeah, finally <laughs> back. Hey. Hey. Sonia in Utah. Hello. Bill in Arizona. Howdy. And that's it, because I've got Doug on here twice, because I'm an idiot. Um, it's like I've never done the show before. Episode 103. Here we go. Um, so, all right, guys. Well, as we mentioned in the intro, we're talking about burning bridges, and we're talking about professionalism. Um, and there's a very specific reason why we're burning bridges and uh we spent the last 25 minutes in the pre-show here um with the uh with the other co-host talking me off the fence and uh on my original plan for the start of this show which this is why we have colleagues and co-workers to talk us through these things so um you know it's uh it's it's important to have people to talk to and to have people to uh to work out your issues and i i think i'm just thinking of this now but i think this is a really good thing uh because when I first started out in archaeology, um, I was, you know, I was pretty, pretty hot-headed. I kind of have been my whole life. And when I would work for people that were, uh, you know, less than um, professional in my mind, or in my mind had less competence than they probably should for their position, I didn't hold anything back. I told them everything about exactly what I know. And sometimes I would do that online. Sometimes I would do that to their faces, which usually resulted in, you know, some sort of disciplinary action, rightly so. Um, but if I'd had somebody to maybe talk that through with and, and you know, talk me down, then, uh, then I think maybe those things would have gone differently. Um, I think those, uh, some of the Facebook groups we have are really good for that. So people can bring up their issues um, and say, hey, what do you think about this really vague uh, situation? So... Um, Anyway, we've got a lot to talk about this segment um, about burning bridges and then moving into being professional with a full crew on today. So, um, Doug, why don't you kick us off with a with an anecdotal story? Yeah. So um, I think we've discussed this. I can't remember the, ne- the episode number, but it was about doing references and about, you know, if you're going for a job, you put down your reference and then people call them up. And I know Stephen's a very big believer in references. And... <laughs> That, yeah, you know, it happens a lot in archaeology is you'll call up, you know, the previous employers or people you've, you'll scan through their CV or their resume and just be like, oh, I know so-and-so over at this company and you call them up. And this always gets tricky because sometimes people get really horrible references. Mm-hmm. And there's this example, I worked at a company, I'm going to keep all the names, you know, no one's going to know who this is. But essentially there's another employee who came over from a different company and the previous company had given him a reference, and a very mean-spirited one. So they had rhymed his name um, to make it sound like he was lazy. Um, <laughs> and that's that's how they gave the reference. Hmm. Um, but when he got over to this other company, 
um, that I was working with at the time, no complaints whatsoever. He had basically, he was a model employee and no one could quite figure out what happened. Um, but it is something that does happen when you work. You know, sometimes you get along well with your employer and sometimes you don't. Um, but sometimes you end up with these sort of backhanded comments and uh, in some cases, I've, you know, in archaeology, you end up with people making flat out lies about mm -hmm. other people and being cross. So I think that would be a good introductory to this episode. You know, how do you guys handle this? And how do we make sure that when we're giving references, it's professional? And how do we make sure that when we're doing our job, we don't end up being giving these bad references because of something we did? That's good, Doug. I like that. Um, because that... Uh... You know, that, that speaks to, I mean, there's a lot of people in this field. There's a lot of employers in this field. There's a lot of people you could work for. And uh, especially over in the United States here, if you work for one of the big firms that has 25 million offices, you can't say, oh, this firm is a crappy firm to work for because I worked for this one office because there were some people there that you just didn't get along with personality-wise. I think that's the big takeaway is if you're having a conflict, maybe it's not CRM, maybe it's not you, maybe it's not them, maybe it's just the combination, the chemistry is not right. So move on, find some chemistry that is good and, and, and keep moving on until you find that and you're happy. So, but uh, Doug, you've got some, some more follow-up to it. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, for especially people who are just getting into the profession, it can be really scary to move on. Um, Cause let's face it, like you want a job that pays you money so that, you know, you're not on food stamps or welfare mm -hmm. and you need those, especially when you're starting out, you need that first job. Mm -hmm. um, to get the experience so you can get more jobs, which puts you in a very delicate position. Right. And I think the best thing to do is always, if there's a situation, you know, obviously if it's health and safety or mm -hmm. illegal, just quit, right. walk away. Chances are if someone's violating health and safety or doing something illegal, they've done it before and people will understand that you're walking away from a bad position mm -hmm. and you can let people know that. Um, but if it's just, you know, you're not clicking with your boss or you don't like the way they do things, do start looking for another job. Um, I guess the point is, when do you quit because it's a bad situation or when do you just sort of tough it out? And we got to be careful here. We don't give people advice to tough it out when it's actually a horrendous situation they should be right. walking away from. Well, that's a, that's a good point. I remember just a few years ago, um, a friend of mine that I used to work with, uh, he's working in another region of the company, uh, country at the time, and he's, he was working for this company, and he thought they were doing some really unethical things, um, according to him. And he didn't give me any specifics, and I didn't ask for any specifics, but he asked my advice on what he should do. And I basically told him, I said, listen, dude, if you think this is really, uh, uh, this situation is something that you can't do anything about, if you've, if you've tried to go up the, the chain of command, you know, if, the, if it's the crew chief that's being ethical, have you gone up the line to the project manager? And he said that the whole company was just like supporting this behavior and didn't, didn't really think there was anything wrong with it. Um, I basically advised him because you, you have to look out for yourself too. You know, you got to make sure your bills are paid. Um, but I told him, I said, listen, find another job while you're still working for this one. Get on that other job. And then if, it, if it's still something that's really bugging you and you think it's really something that needs to go through, then start looking at other ways to comment on that company and get them talked to maybe that's rpa maybe that's a comment to the shippo something like that you know i said just go you know take care of yourself so you're not still in that situation but then comment later i think that's great advice and 
you know, sometimes it takes just taking a, a bigger picture look at things. And, you know, that's that's not to legitimize you know, awful things that do sometimes happen. But, you know, I've been in this situation and I was recently having a conversation with a friend of mine who is also in CRM, who's in this situation where, you know, we've worked for companies that take really good care of us, uh, but sometimes a bad project comes up and everything goes sideways and it can be pretty miserable. And when you're in that situation, it's hard to see out of it, Mm -hmm. you know, but she had, she had that long view and she was telling me about, you know, how this project, like everything imaginable was going wrong. And, you know, her supervisors were absolutely miserable too. But, you know, she trusted the company to take good care of her. And she knew that there was good work coming down the pipeline. And, Mm -hmm. you know, she's already planning like, you know, two and a half weeks from now, right? Leave it, you know, she, she'll stay with this company because she knows that it'll take good care of them. So, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it just takes a a different perspective on things. Right, right. You know, and you know, on this, on continuing on this topic of burning bridges, you know, we were talking before the show started um, about how, how small this industry really is. Um, and, and people have very long memories. I mean, we're archaeologists, for Christ's sake. We're dealing with stuff thousands of years old. We don't forget. So, uh, But I, I want to talk about that a little bit because sometimes we need to forget. Sometimes we need to just move on, you know, see what the situation was like. Was it really that bad? Was it just a person kind of getting their feet, you know, settled in this business and now they're a solid quality employee? You know, were they just young and stupid back then? Or, you know, are they still that way? <laughs> I mean, that's that's also a possibility. So I, I just, um, I feel like we need to give people a second, maybe even sometimes a third chance. But that being said, one of my real reasons for wanting to talk about this in this show was that in 2017, you know, as the industry is continuously downsizing and has been for a while, that that attrition is going to leave some people by the wayside and we need to figure out you know do you want to be left by the wayside or not because if you're burning bridges you're not going to have too many to cross because we're also you know we don't have the we're not going to have the legal power to uh to survey those bridges anymore and get them rebuilt so they're going to be uh they're all going to be gone so i wanted to follow up a little bit on what you were saying about you know kind of like references and how people are uh how people respond in terms of personality you know i've worked with a lot of archaeologists that i didn't like personally we just didn't get along but that doesn't necessarily mean that they were a bad archaeologist and even though we didn't get along that doesn't mean that i wouldn't recommend them for another archaeology job mm-hmm. there's a difference between personal and professional right. and i may not personally get along with someone but professionally i recognize that they're a good archaeologist and can do the work mm-hmm. and so when we talk about you know professionalism and burning bridges keep that in mind when you're asking for references you know just because you and i don't get along you know, uh, doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to tell your your future boss that you are an awful archaeologist when that's not the case. Mm-hmm. And and I would and I would also caution supervisors to to keep that in mind as well. There is a difference between your personal feelings and your personality mm-hmm. and and your professional like can the individual that you're giving the rec- recommendation for do the job. Right. That's great, Sonia. Because I I you know um, <laughs> I have a comment from my own. My own past, I worked for a company a few years ago, or many years ago, actually, where me and the project manager, I mean, we were out there on a crew with a few other people, and we were just having a shouting match. I mean, granted, he started it, but I didn't stop it, and I just continued it. But weeks later, when it came down to, um, I found a site that needed some uh, some other expertise in recording, and I recommended him rather than myself to the um, project director, 
and he he knew that we were having problems and he's like well that's very professional of you. I didn't even really see that, but then I, I recognized that, yes, that is the separation of personal feelings versus professional feelings. This other guy, well, I thought he was kind of a douche, was a really good archaeologist, <laughs> and he was the best person in the field to record this rock art site that we had found, and I was not. I just didn't have the experience, and, and nobody on my team was either, so it's, uh, um, it's, it's really good and professional people, I think, to, to start recognizing that, and it shows that you're, you know, growing up yeah and, and to kind of build on all that and I, I think you might have covered a little bit but the the idea that you know if you get a field tech and it's their first job mm-hmm. that doesn't mean they're not going to be able to step up later you know you're not coming out of uh, your undergrad or field school fully formed right you, you know you're kind of developing your skills mm-hmm. and and you know figuring things out and you know it might not even be personality conflicts but you know, maybe they're not the right person for this type of project, mm-hmm. or maybe they're not yet the right person for this type of project. And and aside from, you know, like constant guidance and, and you know, like, uh, you know, providing training that we don't necessarily have time to do, you know, th- these people can go on and, and, and have a perfectly good career somewhere else on different mm-hmm. types of projects. With different types of people and you know when you're giving a re- reference sometimes you know you you want to make that clear it's like look you know i, I can't give the, this person did not do well on our project but this person is also really green and, right. and you know done this before and and so i can't say for sure that the problem would be you know systemic and, and mm-hmm. you know continue on for future employment yeah you know uh um Sony's asking a question in the background is, uh, can you rebuild a bridge that has been burned? Um, is any part of that bridge salvageable? And I think if you stay in this field long enough and you prove yourself to be uh, a, a worthy person, that you can do that. I know absolutely. I've got a very, a very recent example. Um, I'm not going to give too many details because it is incredibly recent. But um, a recent example of where I interacted with somebody who um, there was a real good chance I burned a bridge with that person because I burned a bridge with a company uh, many years ago. But they just came back in full support of um, of one of the things I'm doing, and it was amazing. Uh, and and they were one of the first people to say so. And they were like, "Listen, what you're doing is awesome. Let's be a part of this, and and let's 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 go on." And I was actually kind of skeptical of the relationship because of how I had left the company, you know. And and I had left the company not because of anything to do with the company per se, but with one or two people there that I was working directly under. And it was just, there was no escape. So we moved on to another job. But, uh, and that person could have easily held on to some sort of company honor type grudge and, and then, you know, moved on. So I don't know. Um, anybody else have any examples of bridges they've repaired? Silence. Nope. Crickets. Crickets. Nope. <laughs> Bill? <laughs> If I if I burn the bridge, then I just don't go that way anymore. <laughs> you build a new you build a new road. You know, you no, know I, I no, I don't build a new road. I just never go there. <laughs> you know, I've had I've had rocky relationships with uh, like one company in particular uh, that I worked with in the past, and it it wasn't the company. It mm-hmm. was an individual, and this kind of goes back to what I was saying a little bit earlier about the differences between personalities versus professionalism. And um, just because I didn't get along with, say, the manager or uh, the office manager of that company doesn't necessarily mean that company was bad. So, I mean, two days, two to three days after I left to start my own business, they called me and said, we need your help. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I said, well, you've got other archaeologists on staff. Uh, do you really want to do this? And they said, no, you're probably the most most uh, 
qualified to do it. And I said, okay, let's talk. And, you know, it's, it's a hard thing for either side to come back and confront the fact that you didn't get along and that you um, may have partially burned a bridge, but that bridge is salvageable. I mean, if we're talking in figurative mm-hmm. case, you know, the bridge is salvageable. We can rebuild it. And to date, um, we're, we, have, we have on-call contracts with them. They call us to assist with, with a lot of different little projects. So it's, it takes work. It takes building, building professional relationships takes work. And if you're not willing to put in the work, you may not be the right person for the job. That's absolutely right. Um, we're going to go to break soon and we're going to keep talking about this topic. But uh, I think when we come back, we'll talk about those complex relationships and, and moving on. Because just like a lot of things, um, there's a high turnover in CRM. So if you burned a bridge, like Sonia said, it's often not the company. It's a person or a couple people in that company. And unless it's the owner of that company, even in that case, they sell their companies. And especially now, you have a lot of people who started their companies back in the late 70s, early 80s that are simply just aging out. They're done. So other people are taking over. And that bridge that you thought was burned or that you didn't even know was burned may be repaired now. Or or it's a completely new, completely new thing. And you can go back and give it another shot. What do you have to lose? So we'll be right back. <laughs> Nomad is an outdoor tech company focused on one thing, owning fewer things, being resourceful, and working together. I've got a couple Nomad products, the modern build leather strap for Apple Watch and the carabiner for iPhone. The Apple Watch strap is well built and very affordable when compared to similar products online. I've had the carabiner for over a year now and I love it. Holds my keys and turns into an emergency lightning cable for my iPhone or iPad whenever I need it. Check out Nomad's other products at www.hellonomad.com and use the discount code CRM for 20% off your order. That's www.hellonomad.com. Fulfill your minimalist mission. Own less and live more with Nomad. How do we leave jobs? (laughs) How do we... um, leave jobs without leaving that company. Um, like he said in the lurch, you know, how do we, if we get something better, we got to think about ourselves basically and say, you know, I I've had this situation too. And I'll, I'll start it off then because I'm, because I'm mentioning this now. Um, it's, uh, you know, you're in a job that's maybe four weeks long, five weeks long. so according to the, to the people who hired you. And then you see on shovel bums, a six month job come along and you really want that longer job, but you don't want to burn this bridge with the other company. My personal feelings on that as an employer are it depends on the size of the crew. If I've got four people out there and it's a small project and that person decide and one person decides to leave, that's actually a pretty big deal. Or let's even bring it back to when I worked um, down at uh, in the, for the Navy in uh, Ridgecrest last year. If one person left because they found something better, it was near the end of the project, and they wanted to just move on because this opportunity came up, that actually would have left us in a really bad situation because it could take up to two months to get somebody cleared to come back on the base. So that last two months of field work was actually really stressful for me because I know as a former shovel bum that if somebody had another job lined up and that job happened to start and overlap with the job I had them on, that I would expect them to leave. As an employer, I would expect them to look out for themselves and go and not miss that opportunity. But I knew it would leave me in a really terrible situation because I didn't even have time to hire somebody else because it was impossible because of the nature of where we were working. So it's I, I think in the end, you have to make your own decision and your employer has to understand the field that we work in and not take it personally. Um, but then, you know, 
you have to uh, you just have to look at every situation differently. One of the things that I would suggest is to help your employer backfill your position. If mm-hmm. you know you're going to leave and you know of somebody else who might be qualified and that the job really that the job you're currently on needs a person to complete the 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 task, mm-hmm. the job. Um, help help your employer backfill the position. You know, right. say you've got a couple of friends that you might be able to uh, that might be able to take it on your position for you. It doesn't always work, and sometimes your employer will do it on their own. Say they have a pool, or in Chris's case, uh, he may not have been able to backfill the position at all. Mm-hmm. But just doing what you can to help um, your employer kind of transition through your leaving. Um, would be very helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. Absolutely. And to Sonia and Chris, to both of your points, I think that those are two situations where it takes a, a good trust relationship. And that's that's a hallmark of good professionalism right there is, mm-hmm. you know, if you're in a position where you're about to leave your company or leave a particular project, you know, that takes a good trust relationship. And, you know, those are hard to build, but if you're able to build that, then that's a skill that's really going to carry you far. And also that trust relationship goes two ways. So, you know, to Sonia's point of, of backfilling, you know, if your supervisor trusts you to have qualified, um, you know, suggestions for people to backfill, you know, then that speaks highly of you as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from personal experience, my, my first CRM job, uh, was a you know permanent position with a large company, and I had left to go to grad school, and they kept me on you know whenever I had whenever my schedule permitted, I was working through grad school, and then when I graduated and came back, I came back as a project manager, and I had a great relationship with my then supervisor, you know, who's remained a, a good mentor and friend of mine, and. Uh, you know, we just had constant dialogue, and he knew that I had certain, like, certain checkpoints that I had for myself, like certain things that I wanted to accomplish professionally. Mm-hmm. And you know, because we had that good trust relationship, you know, I I knew that I could have this dialogue with him and tell him, "Hey, listen, things are not going according to plan. I'm not seeing the things that I wanted to accomplish." I'm not seeing that foreseeable in my future. Right. And, you know, I knew that that wouldn't hurt his feelings. And I knew that, you know, he would, he would, you know, he'd go to bat for me if he could. And, you know, I did have a position come up and I just, as I was talking to him about, you know, what I wanted and stuff like that, without me even saying, Hey, I've got this thing I'm, I'm thinking about doing. He actually coached me to quit. He was like, you know, if you ever have something, you know, that comes along that is better, then you should totally do that. And I was like, oh, man, uh, OK, uh, I've got this thing. And so, you know, I just gave him like a we just talked about it. I was like, how can I leave this company without leaving a mess behind me? Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, I had tons of projects that I was working on, tons of reports and stuff like that. And so we kind of formed a uh, succession plan where, you know, I didn't have anyone to backfill me, but we were going to downsize our branch. Uh, we we had like a, a branch office in a larger company. And so we were just going to fold my position into the two other project managers positions. And so, mm-hmm. you know, from that day on, I was working on the succession plan. 
And, you know, I think that's, that's probably a, a rare uh, situation to have, but you know, I feel like I was really lucky in that situation. I feel like the higher up you are, the more likely you'll have probably a succession plan. Like for example, when uh, Stephen moved to Wisconsin, Stephen, I bet there was a, a fairly long lead up to that. You know, where you were getting somebody. Basically, I mean, somebody took over your position when you went to Canada. I'm sure about that, and you had to tie up loose ends and finish projects and hand things off and do things like that. That seems. Um, likely yes um that, that's, that's exactly how it goes um yeah it, you know it's like the person that replaced me how far out did we know i mean i was kind of i'm eyeballing people because i knew well you know more than a year in advance uh, mm-hmm. of when i was gonna wrap it up mm-hmm. and, and so i was kind of eyeballing people and, and actually the only thing that really changed is the person i was who was like the prime contender left for another job. Right. And, and, but you know, that it wasn't too much of a surprise. I knew he was kind of looking at that job. So like I had like more than a month before he even left that I knew he was looking. Mm-hmm. Being upfront with people on this stuff, it can actually be to your benefit. It goes back to burning bridges, right? You don't just, I mean, if you're looking for another job in the background and you're have a good relationship with your employer, let them know, you know, maybe, maybe they'll even sweeten your deal and keep you to get you to stay unless you're, unless you're leaving for a very particular reason, like you did, Steven. Yeah, I I, I think, I think, you know, in my case, well, I I think in all cases, yeah, heads up is the best strategy Mm -hmm. that, you know, like, you know, even, even for you, like if you knew that somebody was going to leave three weeks before the end of your project Mm -hmm. and they gave, told you like, far enough in advance that you could get somebody through else through the security process right it wouldn't have affected your project as much right right so the more heads up that you can you know provide and and you know having gone through the hiring process you probably have an idea of how long it takes to get hired mm-hmm. for a given project in any given position so if you can give that amount of time in advance you know so much the better um, right. I, I don't necessarily agree with if you're just casually looking, you know, I, I don't think it's necessary for you to um, tell, tell the bosses if, if you're like, right. well, there, there's a position out there and I thought I'd, you know, toss my hat into the ring and see what happens, mm-hmm. you know, because if, if they know that you're doing that and you're doing it often, that's not, you know, that that they're going to pick up that they're not happy about something and, and it's it, and it's not going to be. Yeah. I just assume in CRM, everybody's casually looking. <laughs> it's archaeology. You know what I mean? Well, there's a difference between <laughs> keeping an eye on you know, the posts and shovel bums. And like, you know, I, I took the quiz on, uh, you know, for, for a forest service job. Right. If you are actively sending out your V, you know, your Vita mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, and, and, you know, interviewing and stuff like that, that's different than, you know, seeing what's out there that that's actually trying right and at that point it it, kind of depends on you know what the turnaround is going to be how serious you are about it you know are you on the short list then yeah you might want to bring it up (laughs) yeah or you know like you could be like hey just so you know i'm applying for a couple of positions i don't know whether i'll get them or not you know i just want to do that just to keep my you know keep my hand sharp you know Mm -hmm. and and see and, and see how it comes out. So don't be surprised if something comes up. But right. you know, it, you know, like 
but you don't necessarily want to tell them for each and every job that you're you're tossing out for. Right. One thing I want to bring up before we go to the next break and and get a little more into professionalism on the other side is uh, yesterday. Um, it's currently so that was the day after the inauguration as we're recording this on um, the twenty first. Um, yesterday I got to go to my first TED Talks. It was a TEDx University of Nevada Reno, and one thing. Uh, what the last person to go, there's a lot of really awesome things that we saw there, but the last guy to go was a comedian named Michael Jr. And I had never, um, never heard of him before, but apparently he's a pretty big deal and he's a pretty, he's a, he was an awesome speaker and he didn't just do comedy. He, he did, you know, he, he told some jokes, he did some things, but he had a great message too. And he, he told us in the beginning, middle and in the end, how he closed it out. He said, he talked about, um, how you lay out a joke. He's like, you have your setup and you have your punchline. And he's like, that's kind of a metaphor for everybody's life. Everybody's constantly working on their setup, but they never deliver the punchline. And the setup is always, um, the setup is always, you know, I need another degree. I need another, I need, if I could just have this degree, if I could just have this job, if I could just have this skill level, if I could just do this one thing, then I could do this. And the, then I could do this is your punchline, but we're always working on the setup. You know, we're always working on the, um, we're always working on the, 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 you know, the preparation for things, but we're never constantly, we're never worried about actually delivering on that. And I think that goes to constantly looking for another job. Maybe we should look to increasing our skill set so we're better professionals in the job that we're in. Maybe that's the reason we're not happy because we haven't leveled ourselves up and we're not playing at the same level. We're not, um, you know, we're just thinking, well, this job sucks, but if I go somewhere else, it'll be way better. It's probably not going to be if you don't change anything about yourself. Now, again, personality conflicts and chemistry aside, then, you know, that's a different thing. But um, I don't know. That's that's my thought on that. That really spoke to me. I got to speak to him, uh, to, to Michael Jr. afterwards and uh, and tell him how this relates to archaeology. And he's like, wow, that's pretty cool. But uh, anyway, um, Bill, I think you have some uh, wrap-up comments. Before we get to those, we'll have Steven's got one more comment on this. Yeah, my quick comment um... – it follows along the line of what Doug's talking about of getting iced out of a job or at the very end where they start, you know, pulling back resources or, you know, in my case, sometimes they just, you show up to work and they say, well, there's nothing for you to do today. And they pretty much know that you're moving on to the next job. So you just get sent back home um, with nothing to put in your wallet. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, following along those lines, I think it's also important for everyone to know that this is a small industry but you don't have to be friends with every single person in it. And you should never be afraid to just walk away, right? So we're talking about uh, benevolent employers who are interested in letting us hand over the torch uh, or um, you know, finding a way to move out to the next uh, job peacefully and make a transition or everything. But you, know, you are the one who does the work. Um, they're the one who needs you to finish the work. And if things are going bad and um, you know, you, do, you don't plan on ever coming back or you just basically feel like, uh, you know, it's time to move on. Don't be afraid to just move on. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's important to maintain a professional perspective and to not burn bridges. But on the other hand, sometimes it's okay to burn bridges. I mean, we're all human beings and um, we all have a long life to live. It may come back. You may end up having to uh, um, eat your words or, or deal with what you've done before. But don't be afraid to act because it's your career. Right. That's important. That's really important. All right. We're going to take our final break, and we'll be back in just a little bit. 
Hi everyone, this is Christopher Dorr with Heritage Business International, and here is this week's Heritage Business Tip from the Archive. This week, we look at an important point about billing. Are you marking up subcontractors and expenses when you invoice your clients? You should be when you can. There is risk in subcontracting that your organization needs to cover. When subcontractors fail, miss a deadline, or have problems, your organization is responsible. 10% is a reasonable fee to cover this risk. For example, it's one failure out of 10 times. Also, there is no such thing as pass-through expenses. The time it takes for collecting receipts, completing expense reports, and invoicing clients for expenses costs your organization money. 5% markup on expenses is typically reasonable to cover these additional costs. To receive our most up-to-date Heritage Business Tips, you can subscribe to our free weekly email at heritagebusiness.org. Until next time, this is Christopher Dorr. All right, we're back for our final segment, and we think we've worked out some of Doug's audio issues, but bear with us in case we haven't, um, and in case Chris Sims is editing. Just isn't up to par, and we still hear all of it. Um, although, since he is editing, editing... is fine. It works fine. <laughs> He'll probably edit all this out anyway. I don't even know why I'm saying anything. So anyway, um, we're back, and we're going to talk about... Uh, Doug had a question that he posed to us, or how do professional-like field technicians... Because, I, I mean, they are field technicians are professionals, you know, they're long-term career archaeologists. Um, they're at the early stage of their career, or maybe they're not. Maybe they're lifetime field technicians as well. But how do they deal with, as professionals, employers that just can't handle um, can't handle a breakup? You know what I mean? <laughs> they can't handle somebody going off and saying, listen, I've got a bounce from this project. It's been fun, but uh, I'm going to give you as much time as I can. But I really need to go to this other thing because it's for my career. And, you know, I'm not working for you for the rest of my life. This is why employers don't usually ask CRM archaeologists, where do you see yourself in five to ten years? Because it's not with your company. It's probably with somebody else's company. So, <laughs> Bill, I know you've got some opinions on this. 
Yeah, I guess maybe I've been watching too many Vikings episodes, but Revenge <laughs> is a strong, powerful movie. <laughs> I mean, it's the un. It's, uh, uh, a lot of times, if you've been in this long enough, you'll recognize that um, your supervisors and the other people, the PIs or whatever, it it seems they have this. If they're professional, it will be an unspoken reluctance to work or collaborate with other people, other archaeologists. But if they're not very professional, or you've been having too many drinks. They'll tell you why they don't want to work with other people. And it will be because of burn bridges or being let down or something like that, right? And so, you know, these folks have been in the field, some of them, decades, and they never forget. They have these grudges against others. And, you know, it it has, in a lot of ways, made them who they are because their uh, avoidance of other people or their, um, uh, you know, strong a work ethic to outcompete or to outdo or to do better than other firms you know, that stuff has um, shaped their careers over the years. And techs, you know, they're the ones who are uh, uh, being laid off or, or maybe um, getting the short end of the stick or in some, you know, projects. But also, they're also the ones that sometimes get retaliated against for being honest and telling their employer that they're leaving and they're going on to the next job. Whenever that kind of stuff happens, it doesn't just go away. It's not water under a bridge. People remember that kind of stuff for decades. So <clears throat> it's very important to be professional and um, it would be really inappropriate if you had another job and you didn't tell your employer. I mean, I don't mm -hmm. know if you need to tell them months in advance unless you're like Steven, you know, a high level individual who has important projects that need to be taken care of in their uh, absence. But if you're a tech and something's happening, you're, you're moving on to the next job and they try to retaliate against you. I mean, don't, forget or let that stuff go because that's the kind of behavior that those people will continue doing to other people. So mm -hmm. I guess maybe it's not professional or uh, it's not something that uh, we like to um, bring out, but revenge seriously is an element of cultural resource uh, archaeology. <laughs> nice. All right, then. Um, that's one perspective. I think Bill kind of already said it. It's not professional. I, I think that is a huge problem in archaeology, which is a relatively young profession. Um, depending on what country you're in, you know, started sometime in the 60s, 70s, or 80s. And, or I mean, some countries only a couple of years ago. Um, and the problem is, is it hasn't got to that professional level. And there is a lot of people who go around and talk crap about each other and you know, are horrible to, you know, other people who have crossed them. And I, I don't know. I, I think I disagree with uh, Bill's, like, you know, get revenge on them and stuff. I think I would just avoid them. Um, I don't think I would go out of my way to, you know, really go after them. Unless, of course, you know, there are, you know, you know sexual harassment or illegal stuff. And, you know, but that should be reported to the authorities. Like, if they're doing something really horrible and illegal – absolutely report them to your local police or you know professional organization shipo or sifa or what you know whatever you want um but I i'm not sure if I i'd go with uh bill's you know keep taking revenge um way of doing things uh you guys thoughts <laughs> yeah no. i guess i it did <laughs> it did come across that i was saying that uh um, we should just take revenge. But what I meant to say is <laughs> others or maybe even yourself taking revenge is an element in uh, people's careers. I have worked for companies where they seriously will not hire people that come from 
a university because they studied with someone and there was some kind of misdeed or uh, misjudgment that happened decades before, you know, sometimes even before some of us were born. But they wouldn't even hire folks from that whole university just because a professor worked there or, you know, uh, companies that wouldn't even um, hand over the field notes or the um, the information from a previous project to, to the next company that took over the contract because they have some kind of vendetta or whatever and would force them to go to the state repository to get what was there. You know, I think sometimes people just need to hash out their stuff. So um, at our booth at the SAAs, I think instead of doing a, uh, you know, a nice educational thing, we're just going to put up a big cage and let people fight it out. And Bill, you're first. Bill, you and the person of your choosing are first. And I think we lost him on the Skype call, but uh, Steven's got a comment while we try to get us well, back. Yeah, I was going to fight Bill, and I guess I won. Uh, <laughs> so, um, Revenge! Uh, I, I think, you know, like what uh, Bill talks about is true. There's a lot of factionalization yeah. uh, within uh, archaeology. And, I mean, I'm sure we've all experienced it and are continuing to experience it. And, um, that uh you know one part is try not to contribute to it you know like try try to be reasonable neutral unless something's like really egregious right you know mm -hmm. like if it's just a difference of opinion let it ha let that opinion you know let it go um mm -hmm. if, it, if it's even even for certain things like technical methods like like you're not doing it the way that i would do it that, that's not you know bridge burning quality you know material right you know that that's just you know it's their project let people do their own project um you know the the let the reviewers decide whether it's adequate or not and if if something's like way below the bar you know that's when you do your grievance with the rpa or whatever right. um but the the other way to you know the other thing to consider as far as like you know, getting past that sort of factionalization and maybe even, you know, this goes back to our earlier, uh, you know, discussion about like rebuilding bridges is mm -hmm. that, you know, you go out and you meet some of those people and maybe you work with them in a different setting um, that, you know, by being, you know, and, and I don't want to use the N word, but, you know, going out to conferences and, you know, essentially networking <laughs> that, eventually you know like sometimes that's how you get past that sort of thing right because if if they know you from other places like you're all in the same flint napping group or you know whatever it doesn't matter that you went to the wrong school um because they know you and it's like yeah i think that guy will do pretty good or, or you know later on it's like oh you work for that rival mm -hmm. firm well, mm -hmm. we don't like to do work, so we don't think that you have skills. But if you can demonstrate your skills in other ways, right? You know, and and I think a lot of it really comes down to, and and this is something I, I stress a lot for uh, younger field techs is that you need a you know broadly diverse uh, experience. Mm -hmm. You know, work for a lot of different places, work in a lot of different places. Um, you know, try a lot of different stuff and, and eventually you'll get specialized and, you know, pigeonholed into certain things. But if, if you have, you know, a breadth of experience, you can sometimes get past uh, um, certain types of factionalization. Right. So, so we're all agreed that we're going to put um, 
We're going to put Sonya and Bill in a cage match at the next SAS to test Bill's <laughs> capoeira skills. Is that what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. I, yeah, You'll probably I, end up with the two of us sitting down, drinking some coffee, and going, what's up? How you doing? Or in about five minutes, we're just going to be heavily breathing with our hands on our knees. Like, okay, you, you know, your martial arts the best. Okay, next person. <laughs> So, so along those lines, I mean, can we just talk, I mean, we've talked a little bit about professionalism here and there, but can we kind of talk a little bit about what being professional actually means in this line of work, especially when we're first starting out or when we're field tech? I mean, um, Chris Sims and in his Go Dig a Hole podcast um, uh, sat down with my crew and we talked a little bit about being professional and I, and I think I was the only one who said uh, the S word like once and uh, made a couple <laughs> of weird jokes but anyway so that wasn't very professional but right. at that aside I mean what does being professional really mean in this line of work I mean is it, so, is it about ethics is, is it about our general behavior with one another is it a manner of speech or is it everything mm-hmm. is it all of that I mean when we're when we're out in the field man even even me, I, I get I get what I like to call f- uh, field mouth. It's it's pretty bad. Yeah. It's it's not particularly uh, elegant, mm-hmm. and or befitting a lady like myself. <laughs> um, but but I mean, being professional. I mean, we've talked a lot about, about revenge and and going after companies and bad mouthing people and things like that. But is that really professional? Um, uh, at one point, uh, Bill was like, "Wow, Sonia, you're on such a high road. I can't even see it." Um, <laughs> this, is, this is on the this is in the background chat here, <laughs> and and I'm not trying to pick on you, Bill, but at the same time, we we have to maintain a level of professionalism, mm-hmm. and and whether that be in our ethics or general behavior or manner of speech, you know, I I can't make sexual harassment jokes. I don't want to because mm-hmm. I'm a woman in archaeology. And, the la- and what I want to do is set a good example for my crews. Um, maybe I'm idealistic. Maybe I'm wishful. I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm taking that sky-high road. Um, but the, the question is, everyone is a professional. Once you get your degree and you're working in this field, you're a professional. Right. And I will treat you that way until such time as you become unprofessional. And... Yep. I want you to remember that, <laughs> not just me, but for other companies as well. And that's a that's a good point, Sonia, because you, like you said, you know things things that you said in the field, you know, not really ladylike, so to speak, and in 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 I guess for men that would be uh, gentlemanly, like you know, not not saying the right things. However, you know, having been in the Navy and things like that, you know, when you're in a, a field situation and you're you're in a how do I say it? You're in such a you're, you're in a, a non-standard situation that most people are in, right? And for us, a lot of times, that's being in the field, and it really is like being in the military and being deployed. You're with a small group of people for a short period of time doing a very specific thing, and the term professionalism can be defined differently. You have to still play to your audience. You know, if you've got people on your crew, um, the lowest common denominator for jokes and things like that you know, needs to be up at a level where it's not going to really offend somebody. And, and if you don't know where that is, then you just don't say anything. But, and that's part of the professionalism. But if you're, you know, if you're with a crew and you're joking around, we had some pretty, 
some pretty raucous discussions on our cruise last year on uh, on the China Lake project, but that's because most of the all the people that we were working with that were on my crew and on crews that were doing that, they were able to handle it, and they were saying, you know, let's, you know, if somebody else that I think I'm not going to make a joke about somebody, but if they open that door and they start making jokes like that, then I'm like, okay, well, that's what we we've, we've set the we've set the baseline then. Um, yeah, but you have to watch. And- yeah, and I mean, we talked about this on uh, the Go Dig a Hole podcast. I, I guess it's going to air tomorrow uh, by the time this episode airs with uh, Sonia's crew. But, you know, to that point, it's you kind of got to feel it out. And it's it's all about kind of like permissions and stuff and comfort levels. And it's like, don't assume that everybody's comfortable with the most raucous field mouth right off the bat, you know, you, you got to build that relationship. You got to work up to it. You know, it's like if you're first meeting someone and you just start dropping, you know, the, whatever the crudest humor is, that's never going to work out for you, no matter what the situation is. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's just part of being a, a functioning adult really. But, uh, you know, I mean, that's the kind of thing that you build with a relationship and like a well-seasoned crew that gets along super well is going to see each other as family and they're going to, you know, they're going to develop field mouth, uh, you know, and but they're also going to take care of each other. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean, they're going to yeah. take care of each other. They're going to watch out for each other and you might drop the F bomb, maybe every other word, maybe twice in a row. You never know, but <laughs> still they're going <laughs> to, they're, they're still, they're still going to take care of each other. And they're also going to s- establish boundaries. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're going to be like, okay, hey, you know what? This con- this topic of conversation is acceptable, but this is not. I like I like and dropping the people- F suicide bomb when you put it in the middle of a sentence, a middle of a word. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, it it kind of all just boils down to respect. So the professionalism thing uh, boils down to having respect for yourself and, and your crewmates and other people in the industry. So um, the... All, all the vengeance and all the stuff we were talking about before, all the inappropriate comments and everything, really that only functions in a, in a space where you uh, maybe have less respect for others unless you know the people. You know, If you are on uh, good speaking terms, you can adjust your language or tell unsavory jokes to a certain extent. But other behaviors, you know, when you start seeing people who are doing um, really inappropriate stuff, it it really kind of says that they don't respect what they're doing or their career, the direction that they're going. And really they don't respect other people. Mm-hmm. Indeed. I mean, if we're just sort of saying, you know, professionalism, showing up on time, um, doing your work, stuff like that. I mean, we, we've talked about burning bridges and leaving and, you know, getting in fights and stuff like that. But a good way to burn your bridge is just being a really bad employee. Um, you know, just basic stuff like being on time will probably help you. I mean, you could be excellent at everything else. You could, you know, given the correct notice, stuff like that. But if you are late to everything, that's not necessarily quite burning a bridge, but they're probably not going to really want to hire you and probably not going to really recommend you to anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just little simple things. And also, I'd, I'd like to add is, you know, you could do everything right and you could still burn a bridge. Um, you know, stuff happens, mistakes happen, um, you know, miscommunication happens and everything can, you know, go wrong and you can burn a bridge without meaning to. Um, so yeah, I mean, 
but basic things like showing up on time will probably help with that. Right. That's uh, showing up on time is a big one. <laughs> I know plenty of crews where if you're not there at seven o'clock when that uh, when that truck is rolling, then you're done. Um, you're not going out for the day. But um, while we could continue to talk on this, we're out of time for the day. So um, please leave your comments uh, wherever you see this show on Facebook or uh, in a group or, or preferably on the webpage would be great um, at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com forward slash podcast forward slash 103. Um, so we welcome those comments. Uh, we welcome your opinions. And if we get enough of them, we'll, we'll, do them, we'll address those on another show. So thanks, everybody. And uh, we'll see you next time. That's it for another episode of the CRM Archaeology Podcast. Links to some of the items mentioned on the show are in the show notes for this podcast, which can be found at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com forward slash CRM Podcast. If you like the show and want to comment, please do. You can leave comments about this or any other episode on the website or on the iTunes page for the episode. You can also email me at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com or use the contact form on the podcast webpage. If you'd like us to answer a question on a future episode, email us. Use the contact form on the website or tweet your questions with the hashtag CRMARCpodcast or you can tag at ARCpodnet in your tweet. Please share the link to the show wherever you saw it. If you share CRM archaeology-related items on Twitter or Facebook or anywhere else for that matter, be sure to use the hashtag CRMARC so the community can see and comment. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so on iTunes or on Stitcher Radio. You can also type the name of the podcast into your favorite podcasting app and subscribe that way. Don't forget to go over to iTunes and leave a review of the show. It helps us get noticed so more people can find our podcast and benefit from the content. Also, send us show suggestions and interview suggestions. We want this to be a resource for field technicians everywhere, and we want to know what you want to know about. Also, please consider donating to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Your donations help fund our bandwidth and contribute to our editing costs. Thanks to everyone for joining me this week. Thanks also to the listeners for tuning in, and we'll see you in the field. Goodbye. Bye. 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 <laughs> this show is produced by Chris Webster and Tristan Boyle and edited by Chris Sims. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Thanks again for listening to this episode and for supporting the Archaeology Podcast Network. If you want these shows to keep going, consider becoming a member for just $7.99 US a month. That's cheaper than a venti quad eggnog latte. Go to archpodnet.com slash members for more info.